From the Valley of the Sun in Phoenix, Arizona, welcome to episode 214 of the What is Truth Catholic podcast. My name is Deacon Steve, and I am a permanent deacon in the Diocese of Phoenix. I don't know about you, but there are times when, right now, when I feel overwhelmed. I've had many such moments, and have told myself that I just can't keep up this pace. I ask God for his guidance. As of this podcast, I'm not sure exactly what to do differently, what to stop doing to lessen the stress, or maybe that's not even the answer. Maybe the answer is to surrender everything to Christ, to ask for his grace to do his will, to see God present in every moment, including feeling stressed and overwhelmed. God is there. So when you are joining me, or in your own way, feeling overwhelmed and stressed. Let us ask the Lord whether this is something he wants us to carry. If so, ask for the grace to carry it, knowing that we are never alone. In episode 214 of the What is Truth Catholic podcast, we first discuss our Saint of the Week, whose Saint Theodora Guerin, who left her home and country to bring the faith to others. We hear a homily for the 26th Sunday of Ordinary Time, as Jesus tells us the parable of a vineyard owner and his wicked tenants. In the segment entitled Catholics in the News, we will learn about a new bishop who was a co-founder of a religious community. In the segment Truth in the Media, we will discover a sculptor in his work that challenges all who see it. In the segment entitled I Don't Get It, I will try to understand a state's response to grandparents' efforts to educate their grandson. Finally, during our Truth Topic of the Week, we will hear the truth from Pope Francis about the importance of seniors in church. All of this plus music from Christ Our Life, who sings, All Our Hope is in You. This and more on episode 214 of What? is truth. Saint of the Week Trust in God's providence enabled Mother Theodore to leave her homeland, sail halfway around the world, and found a new religious congregation. Born in France, Anne-Thérèse Guerin's life was shattered by her father's murder when she was only 15. For several years, she cared for her mother and younger sister. She entered the Sisters of Providence in 1823, taking the name Sister Theodore. An illness during her novitiate left her with a lifelong fragile health problem, but that did not keep her from becoming an accomplished teacher. At the invitation of the Bishop of Vincennes, Indiana, Sister Theodore and five sisters were sent to St. Mary's of the Wood in Indiana in 1840 to teach and to care for the sick poor. She was to establish a mother house and a novitiate. Only later did she learn that her French superiors had already decided that the sisters in the United States should form their own religious community under her leadership. Now Mother Theodore and her community persevered in the wilderness despite fires, crop failures, prejudice against Catholic women religious, misunderstandings, and separation from their original religious congregation. 
She once told her sisters, Have confidence in the providence that so far has never failed us. The way is not yet clear. Grope along slowly. Do not press matters. Be patient. Be trustful. Another time she asked, With Jesus, what shall we have to fear? Mother Theodore was buried in the Church of the Immaculate Conception, now called the Shrine of St. Mother Theodore, in St. Mary of the Woods, Indiana. She was beatified in 1998 and canonized at St. Theodora, Gurin, eight years later. Her feast day is October 3rd. St. Theodora Gurin, who left her home to bring the faith to the United States, our Saint of the Week. Homily of the Week. Today's homily is based on the readings for the 27th Sunday in Ordinary Time, as we hear the parable of the vineyard owner and his tenants. A parishioner made an agreement with his pastor to give 10% of his income every year to the church, a practice called tithing. The man was in his mid-twenties at the time and was just getting started and didn't have much money. He gave $1,000 a year, he earned $10,000, $10,000 a year when he earned $100,000, and $100,000 when he even earned a million dollars. But the year came where he earned $6 million, and he could not bring himself to write a check for $600,000 to the church. He telephoned the pastor and asked to see him. Walking into the pastor's office, the man said to him, please let me out of this tithing agreement. It has to stop. It was fine, he said, when I only made a small amount of money. But $600,000, I just can't afford it. You have to do something, Father. The pastor knelt on the floor and prayed silently for a long time. Eventually, the man said, What are you doing, Father? Are you praying that God will let me out of this agreement to tithe? No, said the priest. I'm praying for God to reduce your income back to the level where you only had to pay $1,000 a year. In our first reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah, we hear about the vineyard and that God has, is the keeper of the vineyard. And he has given this great vineyard with beautiful great grapes to the, to the Israelites who are the, in the vineyard. And yet these grapes have gone and grown wild because the Israelites have strayed from what God has wanted them to do. We hear in our gospel of St. Matthew, the parable of the vineyard owner and his tenants. No matter what he does, including sending his own son, these tenants are wicked. They kill everybody. They want the property that the vineyard owner has leased to them, they want it for themselves. So they take anybody out of the way that can prevent them from having it. I think these readings call us to look at our lives and ask ourselves, what kind of tenants are we? Sometimes, truth be told, we don't see ourselves as tenants. We see ourselves as owners, owners of our lives, 
owners of what we do with our lives, owner of our possessions. We're the owner, right? We earned it. We worked hard for it. It's ours. It belongs to us. So there you go. And when we see ourselves as owners, then where's God come in here? God is not in the picture. God does his thing. We do our thing. And whatever we're we have in our lives, we can do with what we wish, including our own minds and bodies. Then there are times where we understand that indeed we are tenants, that we don't own everything we have. But guess what? We still don't want to share it or don't want to use it in the way that God wants us to. We understand that what we have is given to us. We appreciate it but we still choose how and when to use it because, you know, it's ours again. Or as tenants, it's it's ours as tenants to figure out as well. So when we're living this way, we are truly not living as God calls us to live. God wants us to understand that we are not to be owners, but to be stewards, to be tenants of the life that we have been given. Everything we have in our life, from our very lives to everything in our lives, people, things, whatever, are gifts from God. And we are responsible as, hopefully, good tenants to use these gifts in God's and for God's purpose. How? One, to understand they're not ours. We're just kind of taking care of them. Two, to share them with others who need it and to understand that we have a responsibility to look at whether what we have in our lives can be used the way we may feel like using it. For example, say we're fortunate enough to come into some money, be it through an inheritance or we hit the lottery. What do we do with that? Can we do with it whatever we want, buy homes, buy cars? Or do we actually ask ourselves, as responsible stewards and tenants, Lord, what do you want me to do with this money? You want me to give it away? You want me to save it? You want me to help certain people? Give it to the church? You know, that's the kind of thinking and behavior that we need to have if we are to be good tenants and stewards. So my brothers and sisters, we have been given a lot by our Lord. But our Lord is challenging us to, and really kind of slapping us across the face spiritually and saying, wake up, guys. You know, you don't own this stuff. This is a gift from me. And you have a responsibility to me as to how you're going to use it. So let us pray and let us make a commitment that we will live our lives when we're ready to spend money on something or do something with our minds or bodies. Ask ourselves, Lord, is this okay? Is this what you want me to do? And not just say, oh yeah, but actually listen for a minute even 30 seconds, and discern whether this is what God's will is for us with this money, with our time, with our talent, whatever it may be. And when we do this, and if we do this, and I hope it's when, we will, by the grace of God, be the good tenants and stewards that each of us are called to be. And now let us listen to Christ our life who sings, All Our Hope is in You. 
harbors and eternal things Lord, and what is perishing Seated on your holy throne You are God alone Living not for earthly things But giving all for heaven's King Taking up my cross each day For the glory of your name my hope is in you, and my hope is from you. Oh, my hope is in you, Jesus. You suffered for my sin and shame, conquered death and rose again. Now you live to intercede and save me completely. There is life and nothing else. I live for you and on myself, knowing you is endless life. For you are God most high. Oh my hope is in you. In my hope. sin and shame, conquered death and rose again, now you live to intercede and save me completely, there is life and nothing else, I live for you and on myself, knowing you is endless life, for you are God most high, all my Catholics in the news. Pope Francis recently appointed three auxiliary bishops to the Archdiocese of Chicago, including one of the founders of the religious community, the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. Father Robert J. Lombardo, CFR, is director of Our Lady of the Angels Mission Center in Chicago. He is the first Franciscan Friar of the Renewal to be named a bishop. Known as Father Bob, Bishop-elect Lombardo, 63, came to Chicago in 2005 at the request of the late Cardinal Francis George, who asked him to set up a center for outreach to the poor on the west side of Chicago. From Stamford, Connecticut, he graduated with a bachelor's degree from Notre Dame in 1979 and received two master's degrees in theology and pastoral counseling before entering the Order of the Friars Minor Capuchins in 1980. 
Lombardo was a missionary in Honduras and Bolivia before returning to the United States to serve in New York, where he founded the Padre Pio Shelter for Homeless Men. In 1987, he co-founded the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal in the South Bronx, and in 1990, he was ordained a priest. He went on to become the founder and director of other homeless shelters and free medical clinics in New York. He also founded the Community of the Franciscans of the Eucharist of Chicago. Bishop-elect Robert J. Lombardo, the first Franciscan friar of the renewal to be made a bishop. This week's Catholics in the News. Truth in the Media St. Padre Pio built a hospital, performed miraculous healing acts, heard over 5 million confessions, and manifested the stigmata. But the Italian priest who died in 1968 at 81 knew his highest purpose would be accomplished following his departure from earth. After my death, he said, I will do more. My real mission will begin after my death. This quote strikes a deep chord with Timothy Schmaltz, the renowned Canadian sculptor whose works include the new homeless Jesus. Recently, a spiritual mentor, Father Peter Laracy, died from COVID-19 at St. Michael's Hospital at age 91. I believe very spiritual people like Father Peter Laracy, even after they pass away, remain a very spiritual presence that I feel right now is with me, said Schmaltz. I pray to Father Peter that while I am sculpting, perhaps what Padre Pio said is true about spiritual people being present in a more beautiful, wonderful way when they die. The St. Jacob's Ontario sculptor first met Father Laracy, a Jesuit for 68 years and a priest for 55, at the age of 21. Laracy's entrance into his life coincided with Schmaltz's transformation into an artist wholly devoted to crafting Christian works. It was an unbelievable experience, said Schmaltz. He brought a specific amount of dignity to the idea of being a Christian artist in modern times, and he conveyed to me absolute optimism and hope in the power of our work. Father Laracy had already accrued a reputation as a grand champion of Christian art by the time that Schmaltz met him. The native of Dartmouth, um, Nova Scotia, had earned a Ph.D. in art history from Columbia, New York, taught religion at colleges, and curated exhibitions for Canadian artists. And he was completing a book as well. Which, So Schmaltz was encouraged to seek out audience with Father Laracy, and from that decades-long friendship formed. Father Laracy spoke to Schmaltz many times, about the need for reunification between the church and art. These words loom large for Schmaltz. For nearly 30 years, he's rendered visual representations such as When I Was Hungry and Thirsty and The Good Samaritan that espouse Christ-like values of charity and compassion. Laracy's impact on the homeless Jesus, which is actually a depiction of Jesus as a homeless person sitting on a park bench, was paramount. He secured the first home for the provocative bronze sculpture that visually translates Matthew 25. Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. 
by the Pharisees successfully advocating for the installation of the homeless Jesus in, in the front plaza of Regis College in downtown Toronto, where it still is today. He then emailed Schmaltz to find out how quickly he could get the statue to the campus. It went from zero to full blast, Schmaltz said, and I have Father Peter Laracy to thank for this. For all the unveiling of the original in 2013, copies have been established in cities all across the globe, including Rome. Timothy Schmaltz, who sculpts the truth and challenges us through art to live out the gospel. This week's Truth in the Media. A New Hampshire family has filed suit against the state after a town tuition program refused to pay for their grandson's Catholic school education. The suit claims that the terms of the program violate religious discrimination laws and go against a recent Supreme Court ruling. Dennis and Kathy Griffin are raising their grandson, Clayton, in the town of Croydon, New Hampshire. Clayton, an ongoing 7th grade student, attends a Catholic school in the town of Croydon, which except for the New Hampshire law, prohibits town tuitioning programs from paying for sectarian, quote-unquote, schools, which the family argues is illegal under the Supreme Court's recent decision. Croydon is a small town of fewer than a thousand people, does not have its own public middle school or high school, so is paying for tuition for any student to attend public or private school. However, to get this tuition, they can't, they have to be non-sectarian, no faith-based. So let me get this straight. The state of New Hampshire, which is paying for private school for everybody else, will not pay private school for this student because he's going to a so-called sectarian school that is faith-based. How can this be happening? Isn't this religious discrimination? This can't be true. But it is. I don't get it. Truth topic of the week. Old age is not a disease, it's a privilege. And Catholic dioceses and parishes miss a huge and growing resource if they ignore their senior members, Pope Francis recently said. We must change our pastoral routines to respond to the presence of so many older people in our families and communities, the Pope stated. The Catholic Church at every level must respond to longer life expectancies and changing demographics evident around the world. While some people see retirement as marking the time when productivity and strength decline, the 83-year-old Pope said for others, it is the time when they are still physically fit and mentally sharp, but have much more freedom than they had when they were working and raising a family. In both situations, he said, the church must be there to offer a helping hand if needed benefit from the gifts of the elderly, and work to counter social attitudes that see the old as useless burdens on a community. When speaking with and about older Catholics, the Church cannot act as if their lives only had a past, a musty archive, he said. No, the Lord also can and wants to write new pages with them, pages of holiness, service, and prayer. Today I want to tell you that the elderly are the present and tomorrow of the Church, he said. Yes, they are also the future of the church. 
which together with young people, prophecies, and dreams, that is why it is so important that the old and the young talk to one another. It's so important. In the Bible, longevity is a blessing, the Pope noted. It is a time to face one's fragility and to recognize how reciprocal love and care within a family really are. Giving a long life, God the Father gives time to deepen one's awareness of Him and to deepen intimacy with Him, to draw closer to His heart and abandon oneself to Him, the Pope said. It is a time to prepare to consign our spirit into His hands, definitively, with the trust of children, but also is a time of renewed fruitfulness. The church, he said, is supposed to be the place where the different generations are called to share God's loving plan. The salvation in Christ is meant for all people of all ages, he said. So I ask you, spare no effort in proclaiming the gospel to grandparents and the elderly. Go out to meet them with a smile on your face and the gospel in your hands. Leave your parishes and go seek out the elderly who live alone. While aging is not a disease, solitude can be an illness, he said. But with charity, closeness, and spiritual comfort, we can cure it. Pope Francis, challenging us to remember and value the elderly as important members of the church. Our Truth Topic of the Week. Well, we have finished episode 214 of What is Truth Catholic podcast. If you have any podcast feedback for me that you wish to share, please email me at deaconstevew, all lowercase, at gmail, G-M-A-I-L dot com. As we continue our journey to holiness, let us pray to grow in solidarity with our brothers and sisters. Let us pray to be good tenants who understand that everything we have is gift, and as stewards of those gifts, we have a responsibility to care and nurture for them. Let us pray. Lord, help us to discern the truth, the truth you call us all to live. Help us to live in this truth so that we can be as you created us to be, truly free. And let us ask our Lady's help in this journey. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Until next time, this is Deacon Steve. I invite you to join me as we discover together what is truth. <laughs>